Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Would you like to contribute to the conversation? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was in? Jay Talking with Bradley Jay. I listen to morning with the sun up. I'm busy. WBZ News Radio 1030. I tune my radio to AM 1030. The radio's all yours now. I talk to a man whose name is Bradley Jay. Improve my mind in a wonderful way. I just called in. To see what condition conversation was in. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was in. 12.08 here on WBZ. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. Nicole Davison for Bradley J. Once again, Bradley's out for one more uh, overnight. I guess we'll say he's on vacation. So it's Nicole in with you. Hope you've got your coffee. Maybe you're just laying in bed having trouble sleeping. We have a great guest in to start the show tonight, my friend, e-commerce entrepreneur, Brad Hines. Good morning, Brad. Hey, good morning, Nicole. All right. So we are going to be talking today um, about a pretty fantastic road trip you took. And, you know, a lot of us like to go on occasional road trips from time to time, but you you went on this road trip and I was following you on Facebook and I said, I got, this guy's story has to be told because this is absolutely fantastic. So you're a local guy, just to put, you know, kind of paint the picture here. You're a local mm-hmm. guy. You're from the South all, Shore. All my life. There you go. So you know New England pretty well. I got to ask, why did you decide to go drive across the country? Well, I'm an avid traveler in general. In the last year, I've gone to 12 countries. And most of these trips, of course, I'm flying to the places. And as far as the road trip, that really started in my head back in January when I was in Australia and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And the reason why there is that the, the van life movement, if, if you're familiar with it. Not really, actually. What is that? Van life is um, this movement going on right now across the country, across the globe, really, typically amongst younger people, amongst millennials, mm-hmm. of people driving and traveling extensively, typically living in their car, okay. often a van. And they're doing this by self-choice. So in their normal, like... Areas where they would normally live or for vacation or just like going off the grid just because or? Uh, Kind of a combination of those things. I think in some places it's to reduce the cost of living. Uh, It's it's an unconventional kind of lifestyle, but it doesn't necessarily have to be completely immersive where you're doing it. Some people do it for years. Other people like myself do it for, I did a 30-day stretch. Okay. But I was vacationing in Australia in New Zealand and I saw a significant amount of people that were doing this. It was it was extremely popular there. And then that's when the idea started crystallizing in my head. I'm dry because I was renting a car and I'm driving around someone else's country and mm-hmm. I thought, I've never driven around my own country. 
and then, a lot. And then it just took off from there in my head. And then eventually I, I took the plunge. I bought a, a $300 Volvo <laughs> off of Craigslist. I was going to ask you about this because, <laughs> I mean, this car, if you look at a picture of this, it looks like an okay car. But mm. a $300 car and you wanted to drive around it, the country. It had I mean, some problems. You have to wonder, you know, anybody listening to this is probably like, why would you trust a $300 Volvo to get you around the country and back? Yeah, so so I'm a self-professed car guy, so I, I've i tinkered with cars a little bit. I, I trust my, uh, my thoughts on a car. Mm-hmm. And I had shopped for a very long time. I was trying to buy, uh, l- let me back up for a second. The reason why I wanted to get such a cheap car to begin with mm-hmm. was... I looked at rental prices for renting a car to drive across the country, and you pretty much couldn't do that for any less than thousands of dollars. Oh, that can't be cheap at all. No, it, it's not. So, so then I thought to myself, is it possible that I could get myself a car that is so cheap that if should something go wrong with the car, that I could effectively abandon the car? Not not literally abandon it on the side of the road, but sell it to a junkyard or just do what I had to do to, to take the plates off of it and get rid of it. And then wherever I was, that from that point forward, I could I could drive home. Oh, so you intended to just kind of end the trip there, not, you know, rent the car and keep going. You were just going to be like, okay, I'm going to take this as far as I can get it. And then wherever I end up, I just end up. Yeah, I, I had high hopes and I did not want to have to do that. But mm-hmm. So much traveling has taught me to roll with the punches that I was confident in myself from all the tra- all the traveling that I've done this year that, hey, there's worse things than breaking down in the Midwest somewhere in the United States and having to sell a car and then buy an airline ticket home. It's, yeah. you know, but by contrast, just for a second, I got stuck in the Peruvian Andes back in the spring and I would call that an ordeal. So to be in the United States on on great roads in a, in a great country and to have a problem with a car that I've got to sell and buy an airline ticket, it's a small potatoes. It's pretty much all about perspective. So you found this car on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. You go, where did you buy it from? Was it South Shore? Was it? Yeah, it was a it was a nice woman in Stoughton. Okay. And she was sick of the thing. She had already replaced it with the the newer model of the same car. the The window on the car was stuck. That the window doesn't go down. The car had a giant dent on it. Uh, numerous quirky electrical problems. Pretty much every problem that the car had wasn't something that mattered. You okay. hear the cliche about getting from point A to point B. I didn't care what the car looked like. I didn't even care if I couldn't roll the window down. Uh, the, the car's AC worked fine, for example. So I just needed it to get me where I was going, not be ridiculous on gas. And mm-hmm. then I also looked for a car that I could put a mattress in the back of. So that's right. enter the van life movement. That's part of what that's all about. Because now at that point, if you can do that, if you can sleep in the car comfortably and feel safe in it, uh, you can offset the cost of having hotels and then prolong your trip. So we've kind of set the scene here. You bought this $300 car off Craigslist. You took off, so let's go through your trip. Pretty quickly you found yourself in Appalachian. You know, this is a part of the country that in many areas is really economically struggling. It's beautiful, but life has really been difficult for a lot of people there. And you took some phenomenal photos over in McDowell County, West Virginia. Tell us about what you saw. Yeah, so first let me say I I had familiarized myself with this uh, county in West Virginia through uh, a a documentary that I had caught on TV about rural poverty. 
mm-hmm. and it in it invoked this county, McDowell County, and I thought I want to go see that and understand what exactly what's going on there, and it was pretty intense seeing it. I'm sure. Yeah. It it was interesting that right here in my own country, I was in a spot that didn't feel like anything else that I had ever been to. I had been out west. I had, I had been to Chicago. I've been to cities. I've been to Hawaii. And there were things that I saw there that were drastically different. Like I hadn't been to a lot of places where, for example, you would see people selling things from their front lawn. And when I say selling things from their front lawn, I mean not that they're doing a yard sale, but mm-hmm. rather that you can tell that they've got uh, a makeshift shop set up, things like women that had clothing draped over their chain link fence, and they're selling garments, and they're doing this right from their front yard. Um, bazaars that were going on on the side of the street where people were selling everything from household items and tools, uh, pet food, just anything that the kind of things that you would get at Walmart, and now they're in these little makeshift stores going on on the side of the street. So something like that. Mm-hmm. I had never seen that anywhere in the country, and you got the sense that that was people doing that uh, to help make ends meet. Sure, but from what you've told me, you know the people are fantastic, like really good, genuine people, as you would expect across the country. But you know, especially in Appalachia, I've heard that the people are just very kind and warm and giving and. And, and open yeah, I, I found a, a general enthusiasm uh, amongst everybody. I, 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 just in general, I like to joke to people that all the horn beeping that I experienced on my trip uh, happened in Massachusetts. <laughs> and then I didn't hear any again for the rest of the trip. But th- that, of course, is an exaggeration. But Is it, though? <laughs> we are yeah. big on the horn up here. Well, things like that come to mind, that sure. um, driving is a, a less competitive endeavor in in that part of the uh in that part of the country nature is very beautiful mm-hmm. and and yes people i found to be extremely friendly um yeah. yeah 1221 on wbz so brad after you spent some time in west virginia you took off to nashville and okay so i've been to memphis right and the food there is just absolutely incredible there is nothing mm-hmm. like southern barbecue and the photos you took of the barbecue in Tennessee have me starved every time I look at them. I mean, just um, it, it, amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah, Tennessee barbecue is fantastic. Before I had left, I thought, should I make a list of what I want to see and do across the country? And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really the kind of person that does that. There's seriously, in terms of any kind of a list, there was really only one thing that I knew that I wanted to do, and that was sample regional foods. Okay. So I had everything from catfish and hush puppies in Arkansas to Chicago-style hot, hot dogs in Chicago. Oh, we're going to talk about that. I have big issues <laughs> with Chicago-style hot dogs. In, in barbecue, I I actually Google searched which states are known for barbecue because I a friend had explained to me that there's like almost like dialects and accents that there's sure. regional types of barbecue. The Texas barbecue is different than Kansas barbecue and that mm-hmm. Kansas, yet again, is different than Missouri and, and Tennessee. So... And every one of these states that I understood to have famous barbecue and was battling it out for, we have the best in the country, 
I made sure to go to a roadside stand and, and get barbecue. All right. So you sampled a lot of barbecue. I think you said you've got this list of all the numbers from your trip. I think you said you had barbecue five times or something like that. Which, at least. At least, I'm sure. Which barbecue really stood out to you the most? Well, I, I thought about that, that I didn't want to be so unfair as to, to try to rank one of the states as better than the other, where it was is very, very unscientific, <laughs> where I'm not having multiple of the same state's barbecue. I just went state to state. So a little bit came down to what the restaurant was or whatever. But mm-hmm. that said, Texas stood out for me uh, in terms of the experience. Really? That it was the most exciting because I'm in the Permian Basin in West Texas outside of Odessa in Midland, mm-hmm. which is where the, the majority, I believe, the majority of the country's petroleum comes from. And if you can picture it, I'm in the heart of Petroleum Worker USA. Mm-hmm. And I go into a place that is pit barbecue, where pit barbecue is everything is cooked and it's all sort of served out of the same vat. And then it's sort of, it, it's slopped onto your tray. Mm-hmm. It, it might not sound appetizing putting it that way. but I mean, it, it kind of does. You're not, <laughs> you're not ordering it so much as it's just here's what you can get, and then you point to it, and they put it on your tray. All right. So if you can picture it, I'm at this place, and it's all petroleum workers. The, the parking lot is 100% pickup trucks other than this Volvo with a Massachusetts license plate. And a mattress in the back. And a mattress <laughs> in the back. And there's men inside with cowboy hats on. And here I am, this guy from Massachusetts that's uh, trepidatiously standing in line trying to figure out what the heck I want to get. Mm-hmm. And a man behind me in a cowboy hat says, well, you get barbecue, <laughs> meaning hurry it along. There's nothing to decide here. Just get in line just and get, get something. Yeah. <laughs> Move along, not, not to say I didn't find them friendly people. He was just poking fun of the fact that I, I didn't know what it all was because it's well beyond ribs. It's it's brisket and it's burnt ends and pickled jalapenos and all these foods that are smoked for hours on end that mm-hmm. I didn't even know people smoked. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Smoked and made barbecue out of. But how did it taste? Of oh, course. They, they tasted fantastic. And... Trying them in the different states, I picked up a little bit of the nuance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, I'm not any kind of an expert on this, but I I know that I believe Texas is more into the dry rub barbecues and okay. um, like North Carolina, for example. I think they're heavy on mustard flavors, so I I don't really remember them. I don't know how to explain the differences them, but the differences in them. But needless to say, I loved almost all of them that I tried. It is really hard, I think not to love barbecue. I mean, granted, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, but you can still barbecue stuff if you're a vegan yeah, too. So like I mean. barbecue, in some of these places, I wanted to go back in and get more barbecue baked beans and more cornbread. Sure. Um, I mean, those two items can be fantastic. So it doesn't necessarily have to be meat. No, barbecue is, is other things. It's an experience, I guess you could say. Yes. So you were in Tornado Alley. 
in the summertime. And, of course, this summer has been particularly storm-ridden out there. Mm -hmm. uh, did you find any severe weather? Did you get into any sort of uh, situations out there? <laughs> I was just watching the movie Twister on TV two nights ago. <laughs> okay. I, I, was, I, I read that apparently that film portrays that it's in Kansas, and it, it apparently wasn't even actually filmed there. But, mm -hmm. but yes, I went through uh, Kansas and Oklahoma. I, I know... In Oklahoma, I first started seeing the tornado shelters, and mm -hmm. that was that was interesting for me because, of course, no one around here has a tornado shelter. No. Um, no one even on the West Coast, I, I don't think, has a tornado shelter. So it's interesting to see them. Um, it's kind of daunting to wonder about what it would be like to actually have to go in one, and maybe human nature, people like watching thunderstorms and that type of thing. I kind of hoped Part of me kind of hoped that maybe I might see one to see a, a tornado that was, I don't know, out, out in a field and not threatening people or sure. structures, but just to Maybe a to flying see cow it. or two, but that's about it. And I, I didn't see any, but I, I did see a, a dust devil, I looked up is what it's called, which is basically like the miniature version of it. So a dust oh, okay. devil is just when you see like a little, a little tiny one that whips up. And you'll be driving along in, in Kansas and you might see one of those out in the out in the dust. And I'm sure that Texas. just does not phase people out there. I mean, they see those all the time. No, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, here we've had plenty of tornadoes this year, and it's scary stuff. I mean, it's not something we see here in Massachusetts that much. All right, 1227, checking the news in just about three minutes. But quickly before we do, uh, you know, I meant to ask you while you took this trip, you had the mattress in the back of your car, and you yes. didn't sleep in there the whole time, though, right? No. I, I found um, that there were a few problems as I went along, there was a bit of a learning curve to learn how to sleep in a car. And, and I, I say that with, with great respect to the fact that I know that there's some people that sleep in a car and that they're not doing that by choice. So great, right. great respect um, to people that would maybe find my comment offensive that, oh, you know, I have to do this every single night. You were doing this for your vacation. Mm. But that said, uh, it was an adjustment to figure out how to do that. And one of the first problems I experienced was that if it's probably 75 degrees or warmer outside that it's hard to sleep in the car at night. Mm. So I found through states like Texas, Arizona, Utah, where it was hitting a, as much as 105 in the daytime, that it was pretty difficult to sleep in the car. And I would opt to get a, a motel room or an Airbnb. So it was more something that I utilized when I was in the mountains, when I was in Colorado, or just any day that it was in, in the lower temperatures. And I was kind of curious, you know, when you when you went into these Airbnbs and these communities with Airbnb, uh, did you talk to the homeowners? Did you hear anything about how it's affecting housing in those towns or no? Yeah, I, I'm very fascinated by that where in some places, especially more rural areas, they don't look at the argument of, oh, Airbnb is causing gentrification and whatever – their ideology of that as being a bad thing is there's places that are more rural where Airbnb is putting them on the map, literally speaking. So mm. people don't necessarily know to go to that town. It's not any kind of a destination. But if I'm looking for a place where I can rest my head tonight and I want to spend less than $40 and I see the arrow on the map is your town because you've set up shop with an Airbnb there, yeah. um, you're very much helping the local economy because then when I leave in the morning, I'm going to go to the local diner or the local f store, whatnot. And it, it, as I said, it, it puts the towns on the map. So I, I found that a lot of the homeowners, 
were explaining to me that it was supplementing that their their income um, and more good things that they had to say about it than than bad. And I know there's other ones too, like Home Away, and um, I don't know the, the the third one, but I I just use Airbnb out of habit. Makes sense. It's the best known one out of all of them. All right, here with me now is Brad Hines, friend of mine, e-commerce entrepreneur, and Brad went on this crazy epic road trip across the country, more than 8,000 miles, trying to embrace what he calls the van life movement. And we've been talking about his trip, about barbecue, we've been talking about Appalachia, we've been talking about all sorts of stuff. If you've been listening, if you have any questions for Brad, feel free to call in 617-254-1030, All right, so back to the trip. And, you know, Brad, one of the more interesting things about your trip to me was that you decided to go to Mexico. That's you drove right. over the border in your $300 car that you got on Craigslist, which I still think is just fabulous. <laughs> so uh, you crossed the border, made it down into Mexico. Why did you decide to make that part of the trip? Well, I remember by the time I had got the car to West Virginia, I was already pleased with its performance. It's like, okay, it got me here. The thing hadn't, hasn't broken down. So it was almost like I was just amusing myself that I would have taken myself to another country by car. I mean, I had done that before when I had driven to Canada when I was a young adult. Oh, sure. And now here I am doing it again. But it's it was just it was almost a humorous concept to me that I drove to Mexico. Um, but really, I thought here I am in El Paso in Ciudad de Juarez is right over the border. Mm -hmm. It's ten minutes and. Well, it's actually about an hour if you get caught in border crossing traffic. Right. But anyway, I thought to myself, I'll go over and I'll spend one night there. It's cheaper lodging, and I'll get I'll get myself tacos. Now, I just want to point out, right now, our State Department in the United States has a level three travel advisory. Um, that's so that's out of one through four okay. countries like going to say England or France or a one. Mm -hmm. And a place like Iraq is a four, or North Korea is a four, sure, meaning yeah. for danger level. Right. So Ciudad de Juarez got itself a three. Mexico in general is only a two. But you're warned this is a violent city. There's a lot of drug trafficking. trafficking. Mm -hmm. um, my only introduction to this city before I had ever gone to it was the movie from a few years ago, the Benicio del Toro movie, Sicario, which is a very gritty film about drug trafficking. And so people would ask me, why the heck would you want to go there? So I got asked that very question by, <laughs> by my taco vendor. So the In Mexico. Yeah, I, I speak um, terrible conversational Spanish, so I, I understood what he was asking me. Mm -hmm. And he asked me in Spanish, why did you come to Juarez? And he asked it with this air of, who comes here? Now this is a man who this is a man who lives here asking me that. So I, I just told him the truth. I said, I I come here for the food. And I'm hearing that the food was phenomenal. Mexican food in Mexico is as good as it gets. I've heard friends in California say our Mexican food is is better than yours in Boston or in New York. Mm, um, yeah. But you gotta go to the source. So so I drove to Mexico and and I drove there for the tacos. And I said the same thing to the border agent when I crossed back into the United States, he said, sir, what was your business in Mexico? Tacos. Getting tacos. Did and he laugh? He, he must have laughed at he that. He raised an eyebrow. He thought it was a little bit weird. <laughs> tacos is a legit reason to go to Mexico. It is. I think he's probably heard stranger and 
that was that, and, mm-hmm. and he left me through. But, but the taco vendor was much more uh, pleased, and he gave me a free taco when mm. he heard that I came to his city just for the food. Well, so, that, so that was nice. It was heartwarming. <laughs> I can't blame him. So you had your tacos, and did you end up staying overnight, or did you just go back that day? Yeah, I did. It, it, that's You mentioned Airbnb earlier. It's yeah. interesting that places can be 10 minutes apart in a country apart. I know that when you look on satellite, that the difference between the border over that area between the United States and Mexico is extremely stark, mm-hmm. and that kind of extends into everything. It extends into into commerce. So in a place like Juarez, 10 minutes away from Texas, an Airbnb is $10 a night versus wow. 40, 50, 60 and up in Texas, just 10 minutes away. That's incredible. Right. So I said, I'll go over there and I'll keep my head low. I'm not anybody that's going to be in the crosshairs of drug gang warfare, because that was what I read is the, that the violence is all about. So sure. I thought I'm going to keep to myself and, and I feel fine doing this. Okay. So you left Mexico, stayed there for the night, had no problems, had great tacos, very important. Uh, what was it like getting back over the border? You know, you talked about the border agent talking to you about your tacos, but what was the wait like? Was yeah, it, it, uh, it's was interesting it a process? That the, the wait to drive into Mexico was all of five minutes. The hmm. wait to, to drive back into El Paso is about an hour. And my understanding hmm. is that on a bad day, it goes well over two hours. That's, wow. Yeah. That's, a, that's uh, wow. Let's I try assume again. That's par- extensive. Yeah, I assume it's a combination of more traffic going in and then also, of course, uh, political. Understandably. All right, so it's 1241 here on WBZ talking to Brad Hines and his fantastic road trip across the country and a little bit into Mexico. So you left Mexico. You went out to California, did the L.A. thing, and then where'd you go after that? Well, I knew that my ultimate destination was that I was going to go to California. That's mm-hmm. sort of a cliche, of course, for ending a road trip. And then in my case, I had multiple friends out there. So I thought, I'm going to go through the desert in Arizona and Utah. I've never seen that. And I'm going to go find out what that's all about. All right. What did you find? Well, one of the coolest things that I went to was the, I believe it's pronounced Pima, or it might be Pima, the Pima Air and Space Museum hmm. out in Tucson is what they call a boneyard, which is where airplanes go to die, Oh, is the dramatic way of putting it. What it is is where airplanes go to be retired because the, the desert is very dry and the metal won't rot. So the planes get brought out there. They get stripped down. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm a big airplane enthusiast, and this is a delight for anybody that is into that because you can just – um, I think it's something like it was 15 or $20, and then you can just walk the the desert, walk the desert for as long as you want. I walked it for two or three hours just looking at old planes. It was everything from uh, JFK's Air Force One. Whoa. Okay. Um, that actually wasn't the name of it. It, was, it went by a different name, but there's that. There's the SR-71 Blackbird, which is the plane that's famous for the, the fastest oxygen-breathing jet on the planet. And all kinds of interesting helicopters and everything in between hmm. that are there, just sitting there to be looked at, and sometimes parts picked off of, and it's it's fascinating. I mean, I've been to the Air and Space Museum uh, right by Bradley Airport in Connecticut, and that's impressive in itself. Mm-hmm. But if you've got, you know, what you're telling me, you could say several hundred yards, if not like close to what a half mile of just planes yeah. sitting out in the desert. It, it, I've been to a lot of museums around the world, and I think. 
my bias being that I like airplanes. This was the most fun museum I've ever been to. But that mm -hmm. said, I recommend to any American, go check out this museum. Uh, kids love it. It'd be great to take children to. If you're in the Tucson area, I think it's one of the, the coolest kind of hidden gems in that part of the country. I learned something today. I didn't know about that, actually. So if I ever make my way to the Southwest, I'm going to check that out. 1244, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Jay Talking on WBZ. Nicole Davis in for Bradley Jay. Now, what do you say? I look forward to your next syllable with great eagerness. Jay Talking with Bradley Jay. It's Bradley Jay. You're listening to WBZ News Radio 1030. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you want to talk? About what? I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about form. I'm talking about content. I'm talking about interrelationships. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. Do you understand? Okay, talk. Jay Talkin' with Bradley J. WBZ. News Radio 1030. 1246 on WBZ. Nicole Davison for Bradley J. Bradley's got one more night of vacation, and he's been over in Italy. I think over in Sicily and whatnot, he has plenty to talk about when he comes back for sure from what I've seen on Facebook. But tonight, or this morning, I should say, still getting used to this, I'm here with Brad Hines, a friend of mine who is an e-commerce entrepreneur embracing van life this summer, went all around the country, dipped into Mexico on an 8,000 plus mile road trip. So we've been talking a couple of minutes ago about he went to Mexico, got some great tacos, waited to get back over the border, went to California, saw the Air and Space Museum in Arizona in what, Pima, I think it was? Tucson. P Pima Tucson. Museum Pima in Tucson. Pima Museum in Tucson. Okay. So, of course, every good road trip sadly has to come to an end. You made your way back east through the Midwest. Uh, the breadbasket, as it were, Nebraska, Iowa. What did you notice about the people, the vibe? Was it as laid back as the majority of your trip had been? Yeah, everywhere I went to, I, I made a point to try to talk to as many people as possible. Um, I would say that I've found it very interesting listening to radio as one example, that you can mm -hmm. kind of use talk radio, just like what we're doing right now, as a, a barometer for the way a local area was. So sure. um, it was interesting hearing the, the nuances in what would be different from place to place. Like I remember I was in Nebraska, and it's late in the evening, and I'm, I'm driving towards the sunset, and I'm listening to an AM radio station, and I'm listening to what I gathered was a public format auction. And on the radio? On the radio. And I, I don't know how popular this is. I'm completely ignorant to this. But what it was is people, there was a, a, a lot of things that were up for sale, uh -huh. and people would call in. The people calling in were not actually broadcasted over the radio, but the, the DJ or the, the radio personality, rather, was fielding their calls, and he was saying what the bids were at. So it's just fascinating to me listening to these things that were getting auctioned off that would be very different than it, what it would be in New England. Like, for example, it, it was literally things like 
Bill Hawkins has won the cleaning kit for the 306 rifle at $15. And Marjorie Higgins has won the Tickle Me Elmo for $20. So things like that, getting the flavor for a place by listening, listening to what to they're the selling. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And just knowing how that would be, kind of trying to imagine what that would be like in Massachusetts, where it would be, oh, you know, this is a gift certificate for legal harborside or something <laughs> like that. And I wouldn't complain about an auction for it anyway. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I've heard that actually, you know, on a previous radio station I've worked on, you know, we had, you know, the flea market where people would call in and say, you know, I've got tractor tires and I want to get rid of these. And, you know, here's the phone number and this and that. But that's actually, I have never heard of an auction on the radio. It was cool. Before. That is cool. J- just in general, one of the things that I love about traveling by car mm-hmm. versus doing it by airplane, when you travel by airplane, it's very bracing because you, you get off the airplane and you're just in this totally new element. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting in its own way. Like the last place I flew to was New Orleans. And mm-hmm. this was like in May, I think. And I get off the airplane and immediately it's humid and I can smell gardenias in the air. And I hear people with the Cajun accent. And that's very bracing because that just all sort of manifests itself the moment that you're there. Mm-hmm. Now, contrast that by car. When you're driving across the country, it's like, it's like a musical crescendo. That whatever mm-hmm. is happening is happening um, – what's the word? Well, you're easing gradually. yourself. Everything yeah, is yeah, happening you're building gradually. to it. It's happening with the landscape. Mm-hmm. It's happening with the weather. And it's certainly happening with the people. So it, it creeps up on you, and it's interesting the way that happens, that the plains roll into the mountains. The mountains roll into the desert, and then the desert eventually eventually becomes the ocean. Mm-hmm. And that's a metaphor for the same exact thing that's happening with the people, that I'm turning on the radio, and to answer your original question, sorry yeah. that I got so long-winded. No, this is great. You're listening to the radio in Nebraska, and there's a more – biblical element to it than when you were in, you know, Bucks County, PA, Mm -hmm. and then you leave Nebraska, and now you're outside of Chicago, and it has a more urban flavor to it. And, And that's what I liked about radio as a medium, that even if I couldn't get out of the car and talk to people, Mm -hmm. that I could still feel what that spot in the in the country was like, and, and get a feel for it. And the beautiful thing about radio, too, especially a station like this, is you can be heard in 38 states in Canada. So it's not like you have to, yes. you know, get rid if you want to continue to listen to that. It's not like you have to go that far. But that's, you know, that's one of the many reasons I like road tripping. We're gonna be talking about road tripping a lot tonight on Jay Talking. And one of the things I really do enjoy about road tripping, you and I before the show started, we were talking about how when we drive down to New York, you and I both tune to 1010 Winds and yes. you know, 880 WCBS. And you know, the radio stations around the country really do provide the flavor. And I love when we get callers from other parts of the country to get other callers' perspective. And, um, yeah, I just agree with you that local radio is really so important to have. All right, 12.52, going to try to wrap this up here for the 1 o'clock hour, and then Brad's going to stick around with us talking about travel tips because everybody that likes to travel likes to do it inexpensively, if they can, of course. And you've got some really great tips for that. So we're going to get to that in just a few minutes, less than 10 minutes or so. But I wanted to kind of wrap this up. You know, obviously not everybody can just drop their job and their lives to take a trip like this. But if they wanted to try, I guess, what's the best advice I would say that you would have for our listeners? And and how would they go about doing something like this affordably? Specifically for a road trip or 
Well, Tra- like what travel, you did. Travel in general. No, like the road trip you did. If somebody says, if somebody on the other end of the radio is listening tonight said, wow, I really want to do what Brad did. You know, I want to go on Craigslist and get a car and just take off. Like what advice would you have for somebody that wants to do that? Well, with the road trip, of course, you certainly have the unique element of that there's a car involved. So you need to make sure that it's a, a, a good blend of being a reliable car, that this is a car that's not going to break down on you, mm-hmm. that you have a car that you're going to be comfortable in. Um, a, Gas mileage is a factor. I made sure that I was in a car that at least was getting about 30 miles to the gallon if I, if I babied it. Um, you might even want to think about stuff like parts availability. I know that I, I lost a tire at one point, and it was just it was a common size that I could get. Mm-hmm. So if you're in some kind of rare car, it might be difficult if you're going to break down that you've got to wait until a part comes in. I'm looking at some of these small towns that I was in with a population of uh, at some point, as little as 100 people. Wow. And I'm envisioning in my head, uh, it's like the movie, What is Eating Gilbert Grape? The woman <laughs> breaks down in the small town in Iowa, and she's she's stuck there waiting for the car part to come yeah. for, for several weeks. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to be juggling whether or not I'm going to f- buy an airline ticket and fly home or if I'm going to wait for a car part. Fortunately, that never happened. Um, and then having provisions with you. That's that's very important. I know I tell people this story all the time about this winter. I got caught up in the Andes in Peru, and mm. I very foolishly did not have enough provisions on me. Um, How long were you out there for? I was stuck out there for about 36 hours um, with little money in food in a place where there were no hotels. So I had to go door-to-door knocking on people's houses. Oh, man. And have a woman take mercy on me that she had a bed in a little loft, like a farm loft with no heat, and, and put me up. So that taught me never be anywhere where you don't have the key things, water, mm-hmm. food. And it's easy to get lulled into complacency in the United States where you think to yourself, well, you know, I'm in a first world country, and to almost be flippant about it that, oh, I've got plenty of stuff. And then all of a sudden, like me, you're in rural Utah, and I looked down and realized I was about to run out of gas. And then I saw on the map that the nearest gas station was 20 miles away. Uh-oh. So that was a stupid move on me. I pretty much coasted into that, uh, that gas station on fumes. So you need to be thinking about all these kind of things, mm-hmm. and then also maybe things like having uh, a medical kit. And the safest thing is to have another person with you. I'm very adventurous. I do like to solo travel, but you pretty much cut risk uh, effectively in half the moment you go with a buddy. I know I had gone across the country one other time with my brother, mm-hmm. um, and that was fantastic because then you can switch off drivers for one thing, and then that's much safer too with people not getting exhausted driving. A lot of that is actually just good common sense, period. It, it is. <laughs> it really it is. is. Yeah. But, you know, it's important Until to think I about that. Until I screwed it up. Well, haven't we all, right? I think many of us can say that we've – Coasted into a gas station when, by right, we never should have been able to make it or lost a tire in a spot that was dark and scary. Mm-hmm. But, um, so quickly wrapping this up as well, I kind of wanted to know if you took any life lessons away from this. Because, you know, the, you talked about the van life oh, wow. vibe. But, you know, I mean, this is – you kind of almost went out to find yourself here in a way, did you not? Yeah, it, even if that wasn't my intent, I think as a byproduct, um, particularly if you're by yourself – Mm-hmm. inherently there is a lot of thinking time. So as a byproduct of lots and lots of driving, the droning of the wheels, it sounds like a song lyric at this point, like a country song. Yeah, I mean, it, it the, could work, yeah. The droning <laughs> of the wheels and just the steadiness of it, it invokes a lot of 
um, thinking and a lot of self-reflection. So I think that happens a lot. And then there's a lot of observation. Sure. You, you're, you're seeing the country as it's physically connected and um, it sounds pretentious, but, but you're seeing it as it's metaphorically connected to the way everything ebbs and flows into the next culture, mm -hmm. the next set of ideas, and you see how it's all connected, the way people are all connected. Right. And my takeaway from it is that particularly now with everything that's going on politically in the state of the, the country right now, mm. it's very important to go do something like this to see how we're more similar than we are different. There is so much, such a divisive energy around the country right now. So I, I agree with you. I mean, I read an article at one point that said America is comprised of something like 15 odd different states, quote unquote, different, Long you know, the, yeah, in a way you could think about that, you know, like the culture of the Northeast is so different from the Southwest and this and that. But at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, we have politics and we have every, all these major issues that, you know, can divide us socioeconomically and otherwise. But at the end of the day, we are all Americans. Right. And it's really encouraging that you were able to go out there and kind of be reminded of that. Yeah. And I, I don't think that my conclusions are anything extremely profound or unique. I don't think that I'm the first person that's driven across the country and no. said, hey, look, we're all as similar as we are different. It's almost a platitude at this point. What I really think is the more important thing to point out to people is that it's, it's worth experiencing and that mm -hmm. even, even when you already know it, it becomes salient when you go and do it. It really reminds you, oh, people think drastically different than me, not because they're a bad person or some mm. crude, lazy answer, but because they're from a different, they grew up in a different way. Absolutely. We were just talking about um, when to book trips. And quickly, before the break, you mentioned that Wow Air is making a comeback. And anybody that goes to Iceland or was traveling to Europe Denmark. might remember. Yeah, Denmark. But especially and Iceland. Oh, because it all kind of goes through Keflavik. Um, you might remember we covered this here on BZ Radio when Wow Air just just kind of folded up shop. It was a couple months yeah, ago, they, a few months they, ago. They at left this point. passengers stranded. Actually, the same thing I guess happened today with with Cook Airlines. Yeah, I heard pretty, about that. Pretty sad thing, just having people standing there at the gate and then there is no airplane. Mm -hmm. So that had happened to Wow um, a, a few months back, and it was sad because Wow was the major airline that was taking people to Iceland. Besides Iceland Air. Correct. But for $300 and under sometimes. Right. Round trip. Uh, and the good news is that I heard last week that that is going to have a small comeback and then eventually, hopefully, um, be back uh, completely in operations. But I don't know if it, had, if it had a buyout or what happened exactly, but I know they're going to have two planes they're going to be flying out of D.C. and hopefully coming back to Boston. Would be nice. Anyway, we can get affordably to Europe. I guess we'll take it, right? All right, 119. We've got Brad for another 10 minutes or so. So if you want to ask him about traveling affordably, now is the time. Give him a buzz. 617-254-1030-888-929-1030. We're talking about traveling affordably and fees. We got to talk about fees. Fees sure. are absolutely ridiculous. Every year, it seems like we're getting more and more of these fees when it comes to airlines, extra add-ons. You know, it seems like sometimes they can just add up to about as much as the ticket. So, how can people get around these? Right. Well, one of the most common ones, I'm sure many people know about, is is luggage fees. And luggage fees, luggage fees are pretty brutal. Um, I always wince when I see people at the gate and they're learning right then and there. 
that not only were they supposed to pay for their suitcase that they didn't know was oversized, mm -hmm. but then they're getting charged a fine on top of that, that they're doing that right there at the gate. So everybody that's going to fly needs to familiarize themselves with the respective airlines' baggage size. So we mentioned Wow Airlines as an example, yeah. or another one might be Spirit. These are all airlines that allow what's called a personal item for free. Mm -hmm. After that, it's standard size suitcase, which is where the fee typically begins. Okay. So what I always encourage people to do is to familiarize themselves with what the personal size item is. And in this case, it's typically about 14 inches by eight, uh, 14 inches by eight by about 10. So think a small backpack or a okay. small bag. And what I tell people to do is to cram that thing with as much stuff as you can possibly get it. Take your bulky items like your sweatshirts. You can even double up on them where I've, I'm not embarrassed to say I've gone onto the plane wearing a little more clothing than I was supposed to be wearing. And the seats are so small. How did you wedge yourself in there? That immediately before takeoff, I'm now taking off the extra sweatshirts oh, that I have time. on. And, and you don't need to be that extreme about it. But the real point that I want to get across is know what that personal bag size is. And if you're just going to Europe or something for five or six days, mm -hmm. then you can probably learn how to pack a bag tightly by rolling your clothing up and get it all in there. And then that way you're saving maybe 35 or $40 in both directions. That really adds up, actually. And also, you don't have to lug a 50-pound bag behind you That's everywhere right. you go. And that definitely helps, especially if you're you know, walking through a European city and this and that. You don't know where you're going to be staying. Good advice. 122. So, you know, I saw that you posted um, about a special trick when it comes to buying tickets online. So tell us more about that. It involves like resetting your web cache, something like that. Yeah, there's a lot of tactics that airlines have and a lot of e-commerce in general in terms of tracking your usage of their website through mm -hmm. what are known as web cookies. And what that is, is they know that you, Nicole, have looked at a flight that you're trying to go to Bogota, Colombia, mm -hmm. and you're picking your dates when you'd like to fly there. So the airline knows this. And what they do that's rather slick of them is that they go ahead and they sometimes increase the price on you, Nicole Davis in particular, because they know that you have been looking at that destination. Mm. And um, I'll stop short of calling that scuzzy. It's it's business. It's capitalism. You <laughs> yeah, get... They got the right, I guess, but <laughs> it doesn't make it fun or easy but or people good. Can... <laughs> right. People yeah. can arm themselves against that by essentially duping the airline that they have never looked at the ticket to begin with. So in your in your computer, you're going to clear your web cache. Mm -hmm. You can look up how to do that. And what that is, is that's erasing the cookie. So as far as the website airline is concerned, it's your first time that you have ever looked at that ticket. And that guards you from having the price getting artificially inflated on you. Does that work if, say, in Google Chrome, you're looking at this uh, website through incognito? Or do you have to clear the cache every time? Or do you just not know? Either way. That's a good question. I think having... Um, I'm not typically a Chrome user, but I'm, I'm aware of the incognito mode, and I think that's probably good to use in, in general. But I think to mm -hmm. be on the safe side, like, for example, if it was JetBlue that you had gone to, or mm -hmm. if it was Wow Airlines or whomever, look for that particular cookie 
in your web browser and then go and delete it. And then it's like it's your first time at that website. Okay, good to know. You also mentioned that if there's a specific flight you really want, um, you should leave your web browser window open because the prices could actually change. How does that work? I, I always like to make sure that whatever I'm talking about, that I'm certain that it's factual. And mm -hmm. that's not something that I've proven yet. Um, for example, the, the former trick that we just talked about, I've proven that. Because right. I've, I've, it's something that a lot of other travel writers talk about. And I've gone and back tested it. I've cleared my cash. And then I've watched the price change. This is more something that I have a hunch about. And it wasn't necessarily just with airlines. Um, what you're talking about, most recently I was looking at a auto rental. Okay. And it was an auto rental for Spain to rent a car for a week. And I noticed that I had walked away from my computer for about half an hour because I was busy doing whatever else. I think I was cooking lunch. And I, was just, I just had that window open. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that when I sat back down at my computer that the price had already dropped 30% without me doing anything. Whoa! And I know from being an uh, an e-commerce entrepreneur, I have two websites where I sell things and I know about various ways that you're trying to incentivize people. So what I suspect is that a lot of times travel websites, rental car companies, mm -hmm. airlines, and ho certainly hotel booking, that they'll try to um, incentivize you by offering a discount if they think that you can't make up your mind. Okay. That so makes sense. if you wanted to try, you could keep your web browser open to that page and see if you can convince them that you can't make up your mind just by having the page open and that they might offer you something okay. to push you over the edge. Interesting. Well, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, by the way, with that, but you know that's an intriguing idea. Might have to try that at some point. All right, 126. We have just a couple minutes left. If you want to ask Brad a quick question about traveling affordably, 617-254-1030-888-929-1030. This is one, Brad, I've really wanted you to break down for me. So you've talked about airline tickets. Namely, if you're searching for fares to a certain city, somebody lives in that city, the flight is cheaper for them. I think that's what you meant. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so this is another one that I have evidence of that I, I saw this just recently. So mm -hmm. uh, I've got a close friend that lives out in California, and him and I were trying to price for him to come out here and, and visit Boston, come out here and see friends and family. And anyway, he was asking me about how to get a good price, and we discovered something interesting. We were both looking in real time at the exact same flight from San Diego to Boston. Oh, wow. And we discovered something peculiar, which was that his ticket price that was getting offered to him was $40 than mine. And then I remember that wait, I had wait, read about this. $40 more expensive or less expensive? Yeah, so I don't remember the exact fee, but, but it was, it was off. $40, $40 more money for him to buy it. Oh. And what this is, what this was rather, this was that, because the airline knew from his computer's IP address, the ticket was being purchased from the respective city of the departure, mm -hmm. that it was artificially inflating the price. It's dynamic pricing. Oh. So what you can do is if you suspect that because you're looking from flights from Boston and we are in Boston, mm -hmm. you can have a friend or family in another city, in another state, maybe even in another country, go and check for the same ticket. And then sometimes they might see that it's cheaper, and then you could work out with them if you wanted how um, they could purchase the ticket for you and that you could compensate them. 
Because forty dollars is is not any kind of a small deal that I could have bought the ticket for him, and that's a good discount. All because I didn't live in San Diego, it offered me a, a better deal. That's incredible. I did not realize that that was actually happening. People do that too with other countries. Like maybe let's say you're going from Colombia to Peru. Mm-hmm. If you can buy the ticket from Argentina, a third country. Yeah. And there's ways to do that. That if you use uh, what's called a VPN. Oh sure, yeah. Um, you can spoof your location, or if you are in a third country, that you can get uh, a bit of a discount from kind of a, a currency arbitrage that. It's cheaper to buy the ticket because you're not in Colombia or Peru was the examples I used. You're in a third country. So if you can kind of not be in the destinations, you can maybe get a discount for that. But you have to look. Of course. So I've got about two minutes left. You are a man that travels all over the world and has amazing experiences. Um, are there any social media handles where people can see your photos? Because you take great photos. Yeah, um, my name is Brad Hines. Last name is H-I-N-E-S, and that's for Instagram or for for Twitter. And yeah, I like to. I definitely try to post stories and little vignettes of anything that mm-hmm. I see. Brad Hines. All right. And so, where's your next trip? I know you're thinking about planning one right now. If I well, right. as we talked about, it, money tends to dictate it. it a, a <laughs> Always. Good, a cheap place is a, cheap, is a place worth going to. So right mm-hmm. now, I like there's a lot of good deals to Mexico, maybe Mexico City for a Day of the Dead. Maybe uh, Colombia has a lot of – there's some under $300 round trips to Colombia. From of, Boston. From Boston, from New York, a lot of the East Coast okay. for November. And I've also seen round trip to Spain – for $250 out of both Boston and out of New York City. And again, all of this in the next month or two. That's right, for, for dates in November, because it's the it's the slow season for airlines. Right, that's incredible, wow. All right, any other advice you would have for somebody who's trying to just get into traveling? We have about one minute left, so. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep this very simple. Saving money traveling is the same exact thing as tr- saving money in everyday life. Housing, transportation, and food. Those are the three biggest thing things. Everything else after that is details. If you're going to be going someplace, think about how you can save on the transportation while you're there, the housing, and then the food. All right. Brad Hines, an e-commerce entrepreneur and a friend and a world traveler. Thanks for joining us tonight. It's been hey, great. Thank you very much for having me, Nicole. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.